And good Friday to you and welcome inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Booner as we grind it out here on a Friday edition. Boone, it's a Talks about in the intro at 6 a.m. Rise and Shine. Well, on a on a non-work day, but still a sports show day, uh, I had a hard time rising and shining. Everybody's working for the weekend. We're almost there. Hey, Boone brought me a little apple turnover, and when I say little, I do mean little. And uh, it's As in got, Little Debbie? It, uh, maybe. <laughs> I got the wrapper off so quick I didn't see what it said. But uh, it, was, uh, it got me pepped right up, and uh, we're, I'm ready to talk. I got three good topics. A sports to kind of dive into Boone how you been man it's been uh it's been about a week since uh got you on here talked to you a few times we got a we got a really good uh situation brewing this weekend that's gonna gonna get to the listeners get to the airwaves first thing next week but uh man it's uh seems like it was the longest march in the history of the world it was the longest april in the history of the world may was a little faster and i thought june flew I thought June just screamed past us. Yeah, it's uh, going by quickly. Uh, same same old song and dance, though. We keep thinking, you know, it's, it's going to pick up a little bit. We're going to get some answers here on our athletics. And uh, they just kind of keep throwing out options for certain uh, dates and times, don't they? I'm telling you this. We know we got hockey. You know how you know we're going to play hockey? Because they just paid them like $300 million like two days ago. They're, they're getting on that ice like it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I mean, when you talk about TSSAA, and that, that's what Boone's alluding to, because, uh, again, I, we've talked about it for three days in a row, and, and maybe some people out there, if they are on their way to work, are going, how much can these guys talk about it? Well, here's the thing. I've got three different opinions uh, on this, and, and we got to go three different ways with it. And, and so, Boone, you know, the TSSAA, with Gover- Governor Lee's extension through August the 29th, um, they have delayed the start of girls' soccer and football seasons, uh, the two that would have been impacted with those dates. Um, the first, I guess it was two days ago, uh, they have uh, they dropped a little nugget at a uh, Board of Controls meeting that, that laid out four options for member schools to vote on this upcoming Wednesday, the July the 8th. Uh, four, four topics that... Uh, None of which is just leave it alone and delay the season and just play it in its entirety. None of those options exist. So uh, the the options in, in a summary, uh, option one's a seven-game schedule uh, with a uh, normal playoff structure, 32-team playoff structure, uh, with, with basically only region games. The TSSAA would dictate that. Uh, the next one, uh, the next set would be an eight-game schedule. Uh, which would allow, in my book, one non-conference game, uh, and then they would cut one week off the playoffs. Option three is they play nine games, uh, again, with some dictating. or They keep their regular schedule. I don't know what that shows you cut. They cut two rounds off the playoffs. Only conference champions go to the playoffs. And then option four is you play your regular season 10-game schedule and then go to the house. Um I, I don't know. I I feel like maybe option four is a throwback option. They put out there that that that's not a a, a well received option because again that that would be a a very uh, a very subjective champion uh, to be crowned. But uh, Boone, what what do you think? Well, I mean you you've been doing this for a minute. What do you, what do you see? I mean you've seen reclassification. You've seen realignment. You even saw the birth of 
the playoffs. So, I mean, what, what's the what's the drawbacks or the gains from any of these decisions? Well, we option four is not popular at all. Would you agree with that? Not even having a – I mean, you play to see who the state champion is going to be. So, I, I'm sitting here and I'm like, who would vote for each option, right? And I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, option one – there could be there could be a plethora of people behind that because again, you play especially if you're really hot in your conference, you know, and the playoffs are, are very similar. You still have four seeds. If you're a three or a four, you you like option one. If you're kind of runner up in your conference and you like a couple of your non conference crosstown rivals, you may like uh, options two, uh, option two. But now, if you're an Alco or Maryville, let's just be honest. You probably like option three because you've been the conference champion for years and years and years. It's fine. It's less people in your way. Uh, and now, granted, I think the, the, the dynamic there is is there's no round one cupcake in that scenario. It's, uh, it's semis or it's uh, quarterfinals, semifinals in the championship game. So, But I don't, no, I don't know. The only people that I think would vote for number four are either the A, the ones in the hotbed of Corona, and want to say, listen, let's just play what we got to play and get out of here, or those that that honestly they 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 understand the the state of their their program. There's not a ton of uh, uh, of chance of them getting to the playoffs, nor do they want to jumble their their schedule uh, to try to have to schedule extra games. Given the the those that don't make the playoffs have that opportunity, uh, I think teams that are in in poor shape or in a in a mass rebuilding mode may vote for, for option four. That's the only ones I could see. Yeah, that would uh, – the one you mentioned previously, the, the Clarksville, the Nashville, the, the Memphis areas would get hit hard with that. It's uh, – you don't want something really downhearting for the kids, so I know. You don't want something confusing. Uh, like second option, the playoffs start November 13th. I mean, that's a totally different dynamic. Uh, the third option – like you said, Alco Mayor will not go mind it. Only the region champs would make the playoffs. They're usually region champs anyway, but that's going to really hurt. As opposed to the second option, you'd have a 16-team playoff bracket. Um, I, I don't I don't like anything that really, uh, like September the 18th, you're doing, uh, in one option, you're doing game five. <laughs> and then uh, the next week, you're doing game four, and you don't want it to be such an unpleasant experience. The the athletes totally get turned off with it. I, I think, and I don't know what their their agenda is on that starting at week five and then coming back on the back end and playing weeks one and two or whatever. I don't know if they're trying to salvage some level of this was when this game was going to be played, so at least we keep this date and these two or three dates lined up with what was normally planned, but – I don't. I mean, I could understand that if it was at like a, a basketball venue where they also had like concerts and stuff. Right. But I, I don't. It doesn't make sense to me uh, that you would you would juggle all that stuff around. Like I said, but with Jeff yesterday, my my favorite option of the bunch is probably option three, and it's just because it allows you to do as much regular season as you can. Because quite frankly, I like watching Maryville Alcoa. I don't know that there's a person in this county that doesn't. Even if they don't have affiliation with either school, they want to watch it. Whether they'll tell you or not, they want to watch it. Uh, and I'm talking to you, Jordan. But uh, anyway, uh, on the flip side of it, um, 
you know, I, I think it also gives you the option, you know, Maryville played Farragut out of conference uh, this past year. I mean, you don't see a Maryville Farragut in the regular season if you run with any of these other options because it's going to be trimmed to a conference only slash possibly, given the size of your conference, maybe one uh, one non-conference game. And, and I'll be honest, it's like a marriage with Tennessee-Alabama. If there's only one conference game, non-conference game to play or non-division game, uh, you know you're going to play Maryville Alcoa. You're, there's not a there's not a team in the country you'd rather play as a non-conference than Alcoa. Yeah, that option three, uh, you have to admit, Wayne, it is intriguing. Um, I think it gives you the most versatility to see a sense of normalcy. I think all the rest of them, like literally, if you take option one, you go. Scrap the whole schedule. TWSAA, who we playing? Yeah. And I mean, now granted, they're still, I mean, I think they're going to regionally match some things up, which, you know, Jeff and I actually kicked around yesterday boxing this thing up. You know what I'm saying? Like kind of going back old school and having regional matchups, not necessarily size based, but location based to keep travel down and just kind of have a Knoxville, Blunt County kind of little conference and just round robin this thing. I'll tell you what I would just I would really like is a, a sudden vaccine come out and have to scrap all three of these like and not not say. But uh, now that's an that's a good point because they actually are they are going to the governor's office because this uh, this extended uh, executive order excluded college and professional sports. So I, my understanding is, is Mr. Childress is going to go to that office and say. You know why not exclude high school sports? We understand that you're going to delay some some level of contact other places, and we can maybe do a, a different, you know, fan experience or whatever. But uh, try to see if this will this will be able to extend there. Yeah, I like I like the fact. I think they're going in there uh, July the 18th for a meeting. Eighth, the eighth, eighth. Next, next Wednesday. Good. I mean, it's yeah. coming. Sooner the better. But uh, the idea of playing your. Uh, well, look at your schedule, local teams. Whoever you're playing on week three, you're going to play that on November the 6th. Whoever your fourth week game is, it'd be the November 13th. And then you're starting the playoffs November 20th. I, I like that December 3rd to the 5th time frame for the uh, – Championship. championship game like we did last year. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Tennessee Tech probably likes that too, which I think that's a dynamic that we haven't approached yet. Is it going to be played at Tennessee Tech? Because if they're if their their campus is closed, then I think it's hard to bring a bunch of high school teams down there. So we'll we'll just have to see. But but which one's your favorite? Uh, which one's your favorite? You probably don't like any of them. But uh, you got to pick a favorite. The um, the one I invented with the. The vaccine come along in the next week. Option five. Boone, option five. Boone's an option five guy. Uh, if, if we don't, I mean, it's it's even possible we wait till uh, November to get a vaccine. Well, I'll tell you, I t- I'm I'm totally joking here, but it's funny, and and so I'll go with it. I, I I told people the other day they like they're like we need a vaccine. I was like, well, you should just listen to our radio show every day, and they're like, well, yo, you think that'll help? And I was like, well, I can guarantee you it won't hurt. I guarantee it won't hurt you a bit. And, <laughs> but anyway, hey, shameless plug. It's all right. It's fine. It's Friday. But uh, but anyway, Boone, I don't know. I, I I'm I'm wanting the best for these kids, but I it is it is a fine line. You know, I, I look at Laura and I, I told her the other day, um, 
I said, and maybe I'm pessimistic. May I don't know what you call it. I'm cautious. I wear mask. I do the things that that's needed to be done. But you ever you ever feel like if you look hard enough, you'll find things you don't want to find. Absolutely. And what I'm meaning by that is, is I'm pretty sure if we all tested for strep, the flu, da 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 da, any of these common things that we've now lived with for years and years and years. Uh, people that are acting fine would would uh, would fail those tests. So I don't know if you know what's happening. Some people say you know, like people at Clemson, you know, they've got like thirty seven cases right now. Uh, people are saying they're they're getting it on purpose, trying to get those antibodies up so they could have a regular season. I don't I don't know if that's the case. I don't I don't know that that's a that's a thing. But I will say, the more you test, the more potential you have for a false positive. The f- more chance you have. Uh, to to get an invalid reading, so I'm I'm hoping that a lot of these positives are false positives. But I think at, at the executive level, at the government level, it's hard to uh, to say that. I can say that because I you know I don't I don't have a a, a state that I'm making decisions for. Uh, but but I think it, uh, it it's a slippery slope. I I hope they find a a, a vaccine really soon too, boom. Because um, it'd be really nice to start start football season on my birthday. I could go along with that and uh, get me a pass up there where you call in the game. And hey, hey, you know what though, Boone? And I'm gonna shameless plug this one again. That must be this whole segment's topic. So you know we're, we're talking about delay to, to high school football, right? So WGAP, right. the home of the Rebels, uh, the radio home of the Rebels, uh, this Friday night uh, is going to start re-airing football games from the 2019 season in their entirety. Every week. When you have a mind like mine, you appreciate that. I mean, so many uh, plays I've forgotten. I could ruin it for you and, and tell you we win them all. But <laughs> that, it happened. It happened. It's in, it's in history. It's probably in that paper you're looking at right there. But nonetheless, uh, Boone, we, uh, we've got a lot to unfold today. Got a lot of good topics to talk about here on Friday. Boone's, Boone's of the opinion, forget options one through four and just fix it. And you know I can appreciate that, and I like getting getting on uh, some boonisms and some topics that he uh, can discuss and talk about. But hey, Boone, let's take us a quick break. Listen to these great sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk about the original Johnny Football. We're going to talk about Johnny Majors. Uh, you, you know the the special on ESPN News coming out tonight. It's going to be one about Johnny Majors holistically as a coach and different things. Uh, and it draws the question for me. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame as a player. Should he be there as a coach? Should he have already been there as a coach? We'll talk about what he's done as a coach to get there, and should he be there? In my opinion, if Pat dies in there, so should he. And we'll talk about that on the flip side of the break. You're listening to The Grind, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM. We'll be right back. Your hometown alternative to Ordinary Sports Radio, 100.9 FM, 850 AM, Rocky Top Sports. 
Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. At The Blood Partnership, we're working to keep people safe and informed about the recent outbreak of COVID-19, the coronavirus. We know that as members of the community, businesses are experiencing unexpected challenges and we're committed to providing as much support as possible. Find business and community information on our website at www.bluntchamber.com or search for Blunt Chamber on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. Have you heard about or seen the Grind's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grind from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts, we've got those too. You can download the Grind podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. 2020 has been anything but predictable, but there is one thing we can count on. Football will be back. Blunt Broadcasting is proud to remain the radio home for two of Tennessee's most successful high school football programs, Maribel High School and Alcoa High School. Each team looks to repeat as state champions, and your support is needed to get these great programs off and running here in 2020. So, if you or your business would like to support these great student-athletes and great coaches, then help Blunt Broadcasting get their games on the radio. Give us a call and let WGAP and WKVL Radio get working for you. Give us a call at 865-724-1100. That's 865-724-1100. Or shoot us an email at info at WKVL.com. Let's work together to get your great business and these local high schools the exposure they have earned and deserve. Have you been asking yourself if it's time to take that business idea and make it a reality? Do you need help with marketing or getting a leg up on the competition? Then check out my friends at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville, a company invested in Blount County and ready to help. They can take your business to the next level. Mike, Jana, and the staff at 42nd Street are a dream to work with, and I'm proud to say that they built the grindonsports.com into what it is today. But if you need marketing and maybe don't know where to start, check out my guys at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville. Their phone number is 865-982-7007, or you can check out their work online, 42sd.com. Again, phone line is 865-982-7007, or online at 42sd.com. Check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. 
We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is Sports Radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM, Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKBL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Booner as we grind it out here on a Friday edition. Well, Boone, you know, like I said, ESPNU is going to drop a, a Johnny Majors uh, little docu-series, little special tonight. And uh, it starts at 7 or 8 o'clock, I'm not sure. But I'm excited to see it because, you know, the original Johnny football, runner-up to the Heisman Trophy, uh, little fella out of Lynchburg, Tennessee. Uh, he's all ball and, and one that, that we just lost just a few weeks ago. And it draws the question, you know, we talk about, you, you know, Johnny Majors, Hall of Famer uh, as a player. But when you look back on his record as a coach, there's a lot of great things you can say about that, too. He resurrected uh, three programs uh, in Iowa State, Pittsburgh, and Tennessee. He took a lot of, I mean, he coached some really great players at all, all stops. And, uh, and he was part of a national championship as an assistant coach at Arkansas. So his path to success went through a lot of great names, you know, i.e. Uh, he coached with Lou Holtz. He coached uh, for Frank Broyles. He coached with Jimmy Johnson. Uh, and, and, you know, you look at it, and, and those guys went on to have some great careers as well. But, but Johnny was, uh, was an old Tennessee boy who didn't know really another way to do it and just, just kind of – pound that table, uh, talk the way he talked, and uh, and get after it. I, I love Johnny. I really do. And Wayno, if he was sitting here, I'd be in trouble. He didn't want you to call him Johnny. Oh. He he wanted people to call him John or Coach. I didn't know that. I, I tried to read up and not be quite so ignorant. But uh, Wayno, the really amazing things was what he did at Iowa State. They That really good year um, – I found out they had never been to a bowl game, period. His last two years there, he took them to two. And then he had three losses, that really good year. If you look close, you'll see the three losses were to the number one ranked team in the nation, number two ranked, and number three ranked. They were all in the same conference with him there. Um, Oklahoma. Number two, three was Colorado, I think, and number one, of course, was Nebraska. And then um, the Pittsburgh, I had totally forgotten. 72, they go 1-10. and 10. Then they hire him in 73. And according to Marable Math here, it only, in only four years, he goes national champion 12-0. So if you got a perennial kind of a punching bag, totally dissed, no respect program, you bring in Johnny Majors. Well, and the thing is, is I, I think when he was at Iowa State, he was the 24th head coach at Iowa State. Did you know that? I did not. You want to put in perspective what that means? That was 1968. Lane Kiffin was the 21st head coach at University of Tennessee in 2009. So you talk about a carousel of coaches. You talk about a stepping stone job. Iowa State had seen it and was living it. 
uh, in the late 60s, picks up Johnny Majors. And, yeah, the, the, the cupboard was bare. The, the history was no nothing. And Johnny Majors took the Cyclones and got them to a couple bowl games and ultimately landed himself a Pittsburgh job. And uh, he, he was uh, – it's so funny. I always do this because Johnny Majors called him Tony Dorsett. And uh, all of a sudden, it become Tony Dorsett. But anyway, you know the story uh, behind it. I don't. Uh, I just think it's. Funny. I started watching him. He's the best back I've ever seen. I was telling everybody, man, I love Tony Dorsett. Well, do you remember uh, Theisman? Yeah, Joe Heisman. Yeah. He uh, Tony changed the pronunciation to Dorsett. It just sounded more cool and more hip. Dorsett, you just kind of rush over it. But jo- maybe I could do that. I could call it Kaiser. It doesn't do Kaiser. It doesn't do the same thing, does it? Nah, it was so funny. It's uh, it's, it's it's just uh, Booney. Yeah, Booney. Booney. Bo- Bobby Boucher, the yeah, water boy. Either way. But it, it was kind of a, a hip thing, and, and Johnny's like, "Hey, the guy I know is Tony Dorsett." Tony. But uh, it, it's just, you know, he had Matt Cavanaugh. He had other great players at Pittsburgh. And then went on to win a national championship. And then, then Tennessee comes calling. You know, his alma mater, his home state team, the whole deal. And, and there was stories out there uh, that he was told, Johnny, you, you don't want to do that. You've got everything you need here at Pittsburgh. You can win a lot here at Pittsburgh. You might win a couple more national championships. This team's set up. And Johnny's words was, I'll do whatever the heck I want to do. I'm convinced they would have had a dynasty. Hugh Green was – Yeah, Freddie Baseball said the same thing. He said really? if he'd have stayed at Pittsburgh, it, it would have been untold. It Could he have won a couple more national championships? You're, we're going to hear more about this Monday, but there's a certain linebacker coach over there. He played with Johnny the last two years. We, we can let the cat out of the bag if you want to. Okay. L- Lon Hurstburn, Johnny knew – I mean, Johnny Johnny is a Tennessee native, and he's a Tennessee player. And then he, he rose to these high levels. He came, like you said, came as close as he could get to winning the Heisman. And, uh, well, he, as close as any Southern player was going to at the time. He laid the foundation eventually for the historic dominance we had in the 90s. But when he was getting a job, he knew he had to come home. It was in his blood. There's no way he could turn it down. Lon Hersburn had all these all-American linebackers. Johnny wanted to bring him so bad. And Lon said Johnny, every time he saw him, they were talking a little bit about it. Johnny had a real troubled look on his face. And Lon just came out and said, look, Johnny, I know what you're thinking. Forget about it. Bring the guys who got you your national championship. I'll find a job somewhere else. That's crazy. But can you imagine, looking back, we love to do this, Johnny knew deep in his heart, man, if I can get Lon in here to coach these linebackers. But Johnny told us up front, he said, it's going to take me five years to build this program. And sure enough, I mean, it was almost to the nose, wasn't it? It was on the money. And and the thing is, is I, you know, I, everybody likes to put, put Johnny as he played for the general. Well, that's kind of true and kind of not. You know, he was in that transitionary period. He was more of a Bowden-White guy. And and so he he loved Bowden-White. And that was his coach, you know, if you talk about, you know, what, what went on. Like, he talks about the general. I don't know if you remember that little story that uh, that I told when he passed away and what have you about how happy he was that first practice. 
because uh, he scored a touchdown there, and he goes home or goes to the drugstore to call his mom and daddy because ain't no cell phones back then. And uh, he says, he says, Mama, Daddy, he said, I scored a touchdown at my first practice. They missed they miss tackles just like they did in high school. Oh, they still miss them in college. <laughs> but uh, that's the greatest thing. But, no, talking about uh, Bowden Wyatt and Johnny Majors, when he takes the Tennessee job, when he takes the Tennessee job, he steps, you know, he's flying from Pittsburgh to here. And when he gets off the plane in Knoxville, and, and again, this is a story that's been kind of, uh, you know, kind of heirloomed down. Who's standing at the foot of the – my father-in-law told this story. Who's standing at the foot of the steps when he steps off the plane? Bowden Wyatt's widow with his sweater, his letter sweater, and says, Johnny, welcome home. Man, that's classic. Hey, that's he, big time. Here's one you won't believe. Bowden was a tough dude. You would have hated to play for him. Well, yeah, he, he might have been a little uh, – a little maybe uh, loaded there from time to time when you might be coaching. Lon, uh, <laughs> Lon took some injuries, and, and he was a stud player all through junior high, high school, everything. And he had some cartilage in his nose, and it kind of blocked his breathing. And Lon said he came into the huddle, and Bowden – I mean, you could hear him breathe. And Bowden said, all right, get the sick horse out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's a compliment for you. And Lon yeah. had two surgeries, and of course he could he could breathe normally. He didn't sound like a sick horse. Wow, that's a that's a interesting dynamic. But but I guess let's let's kind of speed to the to the to the punch here. Uh, Johnny's in there as a player, and I think as a single wing player, a triple threat at the at the the running back position slash quarterback position, uh, kind of wing T, you do it all a little bit. Um, He's in there as a player, and I think very much, you know, deserving to be there as a player because he was he was one of those dynamic plays that that really kept the single wing uh, kind of functioning while he was at Tennessee. But as a coach, as a coach, he had an extremely uh, knack for for doing uh, just growth things with 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 programs, like you said. Uh, they had never been to a bowl game at Iowa State. He he builds them uh, to an eight and four record in nineteen seventy one. Uh, and, and then he gets the job at Pittsburgh, starts him at six and five, like you said, after a two and ten season. So a pretty nice turnaround just in year one. And then by the time seventy six rolled around, uh, they had won two bowl games, uh, a, to- a cumulative twenty and four record over a two two year stint. And then he goes home to Tennessee and rebuilds that program. And I think in some ways, you know, when it's Hall of Fame time, they look at that win and loss and go. Yeah, his percentage just isn't where it needs to be. But I, I think with Johnny, you've got to look at where he went. He didn't take over at Alabama. He didn't take over, just quite frankly, he didn't take over after Johnny Majors at Tennessee. He took over after a time when Tennessee had kind of fallen uh, for some time. And so so he stepped into all three of those programs. Uh, and then a Pittsburgh again after he left Tennessee, he stepped in as a as a tough road to hoe and he just he got to work and did what he had to do, and and respectable, and and a quality program is what he built at all three of those places. And I think as a um, you know alumnus of Tennessee, when he when his coaching days were done, and he finally made it back uh, to Tennessee, I think just his his aura and his I don't know kind of long lasting legacy at Tennessee in my books enough to be a Hall of Famer because he. He epitomized what it meant to to stick with your university, to do your thing, and then come back and continue to build this thing. I can't tell you how many, 
Johnny things have happened over the years. You talk about the orange pants. I mean, that was a Johnny thing from way back. You talk about him coming back when Dooley wore them and wearing orange pants and, and hyping the crowd up. I mean, this is a guy who you want to you wanna say, and, and Charles Davis in this thing tonight, one of the snips said, Tennessee was Johnny Majors, and Johnny Majors was Tennessee. It was, you don't say one without the other, and you can't have one without the other. And I think I think we have orange-colored glasses, but, I mean, I think, you know, better late than never, Johnny Majors has to be in the Hall of Fame as a coach. Here's the bottom line, Wayno. Johnny Majors, here's the one question these VIPs that select this coaching Hall of Fame thing, they need to ask this question. Did the guy distinguish himself by totally excelling at the highest level, both as a coach and a player? Absolutely yes for Johnny Majors. You don't get caught up in all the wins and losses. You look at totally taking over down-and-out programs, bringing them to the top, it took, like you said, it took him till 83 to really get there. Wayno, from 83 to 87, <clears throat> we were 42, 15, and 4. And I lived through all those years. I went to almost every game. We were so far down. I don't know how we got that low. And then 88 to 91, 34, 12, and 3. He had his best season in 89. Of course, you remember that. It was 11-1. The weird thing about Johnny is – And that was his win-loss best season, right? If you if you ask anybody who thinks Johnny Majors, if you ask them what they what they think his best season is, what do you think they're going to say? Uh, 85 Sugar, Sugar Balls. 9-2-2. Here's the big thing about Johnny, and I was fortunate enough to go over there and watch him when I coached. He got his second-team defensive back, put him on defense on the goal line. He said, you're going to tackle – William Howard. This guy, I watched this guy run. We were so confident with that TVA and I line we had. I watched him run against Alabama. I think it's like 12 snaps in a row, almost the same play. They knew it was coming. They couldn't stop it. And Johnny told this guy, he's from Farragut. Excuse me. He said, if you don't stop William Howard, I'm taking away your scholarship today. Well, that'll work. You talking about getting in? He <laughs> he stopped him. Uh, he puts fear of God in him. But uh, Johnny, the one thing he overcame was always uh, resilience was his key word. I heard him say it a hundred times. For some reason, life would beat him down. He didn't sit around and play the victim role and feel sorry. He fought back and overcame it. Yeah, I you know the thing I look at with Johnny Majors, like I said, you know I. I understand that if you look at, especially, and, and my father-in-law will say it, and I agree with him. I think I think Johnny Majors is in the Hall of Fame right now if he doesn't go back to Pittsburgh and take 45 more losses. Because he, he finished his second stint at Pittsburgh at 45-45-1. And, and and that's just, that's a that's a, a black mark on the career that, that he probably is going to take a long time to overcome. But I think you look back at it, and you look at his coaching tree, you know, and I'm sitting here and I'm like, you know, okay, uh, you know, Lynn Amidi, UT Martin, one-year coach. That's Okay, that's nice to be on your coaching tree. But then I get down here, Kippy Brown. You remember Kippy? 
I mean, keep quarterback was, from Sweetwater. He established wide receiver. You, yeah, he, you know, he, he's what in, a coach. Yeah, he's in Johnny Major's coaching tree. Uh, you talk about Dom Capers uh, when you talk about NFL defenses. I mean, he's he's been in Johnny's coaching tree. Kippy Wayno was in the NFL several years. Oh yeah, as far so as these are the NFL guys. Yeah, he he coached with the Seahawks for a, a number of years. But Dom Caper, NFL. David Cutcliffe, his time at Ole Miss and Duke, his development of quarterbacks. I mean, just what he's been able to do uh, with the Manning family alone. Uh, Daryl Dickey. I mean, he's a he's a success story at Tennessee, and then has went on to be uh, a head coach at a couple universities. Philip Fulmer's in his coaching tree. Um, John Gruden, uh, NFL Super Bowl champ, uh, and then really good developer of talent. Walt Harris, uh, Jimmy Johnson, uh, one of the few guys who's a national champion in college and a Super Bowl champion in the pros. Uh, let's go on down through here. Randy Sanders, Jackie Sherrill, uh, Al Saunders, uh, Kevin Steele, Dave Wanstead, uh, Ron Zook. I mean, all these guys coached under Johnny Majors. And the thing is, is all of them loved him. It's not one of those, man. I just I don't even put those Johnny Majors years on my on my resume. They're no, they're like no. I, I co- which all of them, like you said, called him John Majors. But uh, to to the to the fan to the to the the Tennessee people who like to look back, uh, he's Johnny Majors. If that doesn't roll off the tongue as smooth as anything, uh, I don't know what does. It's just a household name. And my father in law talks about how Johnny, as a player, I mean he was he was. My father-in-law's mother and daddy's uh, Peyton Manning. I mean, it was that level. It was it was like, you know, you go to church on Sunday, you do good in school, you get to see Johnny Majors. Like, it was that hierarchy, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and, and really in um, – The ultimate tribute to Johnny Majors, Wayno, was people who were not even alive when he played or coached forming a long line because they heard, oh, Johnny Majors is giving out autographs. Oh, yeah, and he still had that. I mean, there was a little thing during COVID where he read a, a bedtime story, and I ain't going to lie, between me, Neyland, and uh, and Jackson, we were giving my recliner all it had. We were loaded up listening to Johnny Majors read a story. And they don't they don't know Johnny Majors from Daddy. You know what I'm saying? They they, they just thought it was cool uh, that he was reading a story. It's he, He's so cool. He was, he was strong. He was very determined. You ever heard about the story about he, he always parked on the road over there at the athletic building? No. He'd just pull up to the front door and park it and get out. There's no parking. And they're like, they're like, are you going to tow that car? And everybody's like, no, that's Johnny's car. You don't do that. <laughs> so, I mean, he, he was a larger-than-life guy even, even until uh, this past year. Tell me if you know this one. I'll give you A and a B. He played with uh, or Jerry Jones. He mm-hmm. coached with the owner of the Cowboys. Yeah, Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh he had an unbelievable memory. He could remember anything. Jerry Jones or uh, Johnny. Johnny. Yeah. You mentioned three or four or five defenses in one sentence and his mind could go to where every player was lined up and which gap. That that's a good coach right there. And, and it's funny, you know, I watched that uh, 30 for 30 series when we were Cowboys. Or before we were Cowboys is the name of it. It's it's about Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson and that whole relationship. And a couple times during it, I'm watching it. And you know when you watch things, you kind of get in tune with what you're watching, right? So it's Arkansas and the Cowboys. And all of a sudden, the, here they come for their anniversary of that championship. It was like 2006. It was like the 30-year anniversary. 
And here comes Johnny Majors walking out there. And, like, the show must have stopped for me. I care less what they were saying. I'm like, Laura, Laura, there's Johnny Majors. And it went, you know, it went, it told you just how larger than life he, he was and, and has been uh, in this area for a long, long time. You know, the one thing that really shows the fight in him, there's no way in the world in 92 he should have been on the field after that heart attack. He came out there. He was agitated. He wasn't healthy. He didn't have his health. And the, the fighter in him just said, I have to do it. I'm coming out there. And it ended up being his demise because of. Uh, yeah, just time. It, it timing. Was, yeah, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a sloppy situation. Unfortunately, Tennessee's had stability at the coaching position up until maybe a decade ago. Uh, but the problem is, is when they do make transition, it's been so long since they've done it, uh, they don't seem to get it just as smooth as it could be but but nonetheless i think we're advocating here for johnny majors to get on that ballot uh 2021 can be the year johnny majors makes that step as a coach and a player to become the fifth uh player uh to be to player and coach to be in the the hall of fame currently sitting at four and two of those guys are former balls so uh excited uh, about that opportunity and really it needs to happen so i don't know if anybody that has that kind of pool can do that on that listens right here but if you are you should and if you ain't you're bad Sorry Re- returning that. us uh, to national prominence and leaders in the sec is a huge accomplishment by john yeah and i, I think it's got to be rewarded i think you look at guys uh you, you know like i said pat dies in the hall of fame as a coach there's other sec coaches that arguably didn't have the level of success that Johnny had from a where you start to where you finish kind of look at it. But anyway, that's our opinion, and that's how we drive it. But we'll be right back on the flip side of the break. You're listening to The Grind. Come on back. You don't want to miss it. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming. But Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. At Rule King, we thank our lucky stars to be living here today because the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. This 4th of July, celebrate justice and liberty for all with a 12-foot no-tangled American flag with flagpole, normally $79, now just $19.98. That's right, a 12-foot no-tangled American flag with flagpole, just $19.98. Show your neighbors you love this land with your neighborhood rule king, America's farm and home store. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. In uncertain times, you can be certain of this. 
The Salvation Army is serving those most in need with help and hope. Thanks to your donations, the Salvation Army is helping those affected by COVID-19. Those who've lost wages, who have no home to retreat to, who need food, help with utilities, and most of all, hope. To see how you can continue to make a difference, visit SalvationArmyUSA.org. Have you been asking yourself if it's time to take that business idea and make it a reality? Do you need help with marketing or getting a leg up on the competition? Then check out my friends at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville, a company invested in Blunt County and ready to help. They can take your business to the next level. Mike, Jana, and the staff at 42nd Street are a dream to work with, and I'm proud to say that they built the grindonsports.com into what it is today. But if you need marketing and maybe don't know where to start, check out my guys at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville. Their phone number is 865-982-7007, or you can check out their work online, 42SD.com. Again, phone line is 865-982-7007 or online at 42SD.com. Check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. 2020 has been anything but predictable, but there is one thing we can count on. Football will be back. Blunt Broadcasting is proud to remain the radio home for two of Tennessee's most successful high school football programs, Marable High School and Alcoa High School. Each team looks to repeat as state champions, and your support is needed to get these great programs off and running here in 2020. So, if you or your business would like to support these great student-athletes and great coaches, then help Blunt Broadcasting get their games on the radio. Give us a call and let WGAP and WKVL Radio get working for you. Give us a call at 865-724-1100. That's 865-724-1100. Or shoot us an email at info at WKVL.com. Let's work together to get your great business and these local high schools the exposure they have earned and deserve. Have you heard about or seen the Grind's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grind from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts. We've got those too. You can download the Grind Podcast on Apple Podcast and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything the Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. The Blunt Partnership is committed to leading the Blunt County business community through this coronavirus outbreak. We will continue to be a resource for all businesses, as well as supplying up-to-date information for our community. Please check out our website for updated information at www.bluntchamber.com or search for Blunt Chamber on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Your local Blunt County Community Food Connection is still open serving local families in time of need and hardship. We provide prepackaged groceries to help meet your nutritional and dietary needs. The Community Food Connection is open Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday from 10 a.m. until noon for drive-up delivery only. Residents are asked to remain in their vehicle so that our volunteers may safely distribute the food. Directions as to how to enter and depart the facility will be clearly displayed. We thank you for your cooperation and look forward to serving you at your Blunt County Community Food Connection. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. 
This is Sports Radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM. Rocky Top Sports. Welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to The Grind right here on a Friday edition. Booner, uh, 64 days till it's football time in Tennessee. 64, a huge number for the Vols as we've – honestly, the whole the whole number, uh, the whole block of 60s have, have been pretty heavy uh, for Tennessee. It's, there's been some really good names to remember and a lot of really good uh, – Good players that have have suited up for the Vols to wear number 64. Today is no different. Uh, Number 64, if I had to say who would be the number 64 I would think of, it would be Hacksaw Reynolds. Uh, Hacksaw Jack, Hacksaw Reynolds, linebacker 67 to 69. Uh, We'll be able to talk to uh, somebody who knows a lot about Mr. Reynolds uh, here shortly. But when Jack Reynolds made the move from fullback to linebacker in his sophomore year, he became an instant success. Uh, the success proved out in his 69 senior season when he received All-SEC, All-American honors. Uh, Hacksaw, as he was known during his tenure on the Hill, combined with fellow linebacker Steve Conner to sow the seeds of an infamous 1970 defense that picked off 36 passes. Reynolds' final year was special uh, with the defense collecting 30 interceptions. So he uh, he had a time while he was in Knoxville and uh, opportunistic ball hawking uh, was happening long before the days of uh, the current LSUs and uh, and Clemsons of the world. So uh, those guys made it happen. Hey, Wayno, I was uh, the age of your oldest when I was beginning to get well, I was a little bit older than him, not much. I was beginning to get hooked on UT football. And I stayed up, wasn't supposed to. We were playing Oklahoma. Uh-huh. They had a stud running back, Steve Owens. I think he wins the Heisman. Oklahoma. It's fourth and one. Hacksaw stuffed him, tore his head off. And we had to have the stopper. The game was over. And he stuffed him right there. I became a fan. We almost won the game, but, but he's the one that gave us the chance. A certain little bird told me this about Reynolds. He's the he's the one linebacker. If he got he's the best tackler out of all these all Americans. If he got his meat hooks wrapped around you, you weren't going anywhere. Meat hooks being hands, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, once he got, as Tennessee boys like to say, a hold of you. Turn out the lights. You were going down on the ground. <laughs> His party's over. Yes, sir. Oh, but anyway, uh, Hacksaw Reynolds, man, that, if that ain't a name that, that strikes a little fear, I don't know what is, but him and Steve Conner on the same uh, linebacking core just, just seems nasty to me. But another guy who wore 64 was Arnold Peterson. He was a guard 62 through 63. He said, I lettered in football on both 62 and 3. I wore number 64 because in those days you did everything you were told to do by the coaches, and I was told to wear number 64. He said, we had three coaches while I was there, Bowden Wyatt, McDonald, and Doug Dickey. Uh, we had break-even records for the most part, but we had fun and got an education at the same time. Go Vols. 
So that's a that's a does that not sound similar to uh, to some of these recent years, uh, some of these recent classes that have had unfortunate situations, but have had the opportunity to get an education and play for the Vols. It does, and uh, it, it's really funny. I notice you always touch on them, uh, telling us a little anecdote as to the exact reason they wore that jersey number. That's what they said, not what I said. <laughs> really cool stories. All-time 64 is the first person to wear 64, and it must have been in the late 30s when they actually started putting numbers on jerseys because that's like the first noted of any number. Uh, 1937, 38, and 39, James Reich wore that, that jersey number for Tennessee. Byron Hutchinson wore it 40 through 42. Richard Mullins wore it in 44. Jack Carey wore it in 45. Philip Webb, 46. Jimmy Hill wore it in 48 through 50. Tom Joseph. 51 and 2. Jim Ritchie, 1954. Mr. Lon Hersbrun wore it in 56 and 57. And and let the cat out of the bag. He will be here this afternoon to record a show that will air on Monday that you don't want to miss. We're talking about great linebackers. We'll talk about great time as a player at Tennessee, as a coach at Tennessee, uh, how he used to get after Bobby Boone at a Maryville College situation, possibly, or Maybe a Mr. Tony Iruli story. Like, I think there's all on the table uh, coming here this afternoon. But Lon Hersburn, uh very much a big-time uh, player there at the number 64. Don Patterson, 58, 9, and 60. Billy Smith, 1961. Arnold Peterson, 62, and 3. Mike Reynolds, 64. Terry Bird, 65, and 6. Jack Reynolds, 67, 8, and 9. Bill Emmendorfer. Did I get that right, Boone? Absolutely. I, I was really close. 70, 71, and 2. Mike Rotella, 1973. Keith Autry, 74 and 75. Brad Watts, 76. Charlton Webb, 77 and 8. Rory Cunningham, 79, 80, and 81. Steve Douglas, 83, 4, and 5. Chip Strickland, 86. Kenny Morgan, 88 and 9. Mark Needham, 1990. Steve White, 92 through 95. Scott Wells, 2001 through 3. Cameron Mayo, 05, Malcolm Rawls, 2006, and James Stone, 2010 through 13. And currently for the Vols, Wanya Morris, big-time five-star offensive lineman, uh, a big old boy that's going to step into a sophomore season to really play a big part for the Vols. So 64 has had the business and will continue with Wanya Morris there in 2020. Some really studly offensive linemen, uh, Mr. Stone, is it, is it interesting that 64, it looks like it's transitioned? Like early on, it looked to be a linebacker number, and then as it's progressed, it's almost become exclusively a lineman number. Exactly. We kind of got into a phase where if you're going to be a linebacker due to NFL idols, you need to like a 50, a 58 Jack Lambert. Hey, you mentioned Steve Douglas. That is uh, Aaron, played at Maribel. That's his uncle, David Douglas's brother. I knew Steve will. Of course, that would be uh, Carla Horton, Douglas's um, f- former um, brother-in-law. But he was a well, good player. He came from uh, Ray County, like David. Now, Mike Reynolds and Jack Reynolds, connected or no? Uh, Art Reynolds is the uh, the brother of Jack. And we'll let Lon straighten us out on that. But Art came over there. If you look at linebackers who started at A and went to Z, the the one linebacker that went the farthest, most improved, 
and actually played some uh, Canadian ball was uh, Art Reynolds. Sweet. But Jack was older. Man, I, I tell you, I, I love digging into the Boone Encyclopedia because I feel like that's what I'm doing each and time. I'm like, what do you think, Boone? And he's like, well, back Rolodex. And then he's got this information that he just rolls right out. I love it. Love it, love it. But uh, talk about Hall of Famers that wore number 64, Boone. There's some names you've you've heard before. Blanda, Kramer, Wilcox, McDaniel, all these names that wore 64 that now are enshrined in Canton uh, in the NFL Hall of Fame. George Blanda, uh, if you look at him, uh, he's listed as a 16 here, but he's under the, the 64 uh, window here in the, in the Hall of Fame. But we'll talk about him nonetheless. Why not? George Blanda, 26 seasons i don't think you're gonna see that much anymore are you year 1970 the establishment of monday night football what does he do he becomes a national icon there were three games he was 46 years old he was hitting 48 and 50 yard field goals you know where he played college at he uh he started out with houston before he went to uh the oakland raiders and it broke my heart. They cut him right before they won the 76 Super Bowl championship. Uh, college, he was drafted by the Bears. Oh, I bet he went to uh, Kentucky. He was a wildcat. Only thing I got against him, to be honest with you. I'm just I wonder, I think he just missed Bear Bryant maybe. No, he was way before Bear. I was going to say, that's, that's a minute before. What about Jerry Kramer? There's a number 64 you'll know. Oh, man. Jerry Kramer, 11 seasons. Packers. Out of the Idaho, he was a – I don't know if it was a, a Vandal at that time, but the Idaho Vandals, 6'3", 245 pounds. He was a fourth-round pick, 39th overall by the Packers in the 58 draft. He anchored an offensive line – in the Lombardi era for the Packers, he recorded winning records in all but his first and last season. He was named All-NFL five times, selected to three Pro Bowls, uh, broke his ankle in 61, had an intestinal affection in 64, and all he returned to, to action from. Handled team place-kicking duties 62-3, and three, and briefly in his final season, he totaled 177 career points, 90 extra points, 29 field goals, uh, kicking records tying three field goals, and one uh, point after attempt in a 62 NFL championship game. He was named to the NFL's 50th anniversary team, the NFL All-Decade team of the 60s, and the Super Bowl silver anniversary team. Uh, a lot of accolades to be remembered. But uh, basically, he's remembered for the key block that made way for Bart Starr's game-winning touchdown in the infamous Ice Bowl of 1967. And why they took so long to get him in the NFL Hall of Fame, I'll never know. But Lombardi said he was the most athletic lineman, the best runner. He had speed, quickness, ability, or agility. And uh, to have a truly great football team, you need really good guards. That to us from Vince Lombardi. From Vince Lombardi. But if you look at it, we're on the last minute of the show. 1964 had champions like this. Texas Longhorns beat the Navy midshipmen to win the college football national champion. John Hort, quarterback Notre Dame, was your Heisman Trophy. And the AFL championship went to the Buffalo Bills over the San Diego Charters 20-7. to and then the NFL championship, the then Cleveland Paul Brown-led Browns 
won 27 to nothing over the Baltimore Colts. But, Boone, we're out of time. People's going to have to listen, though, Monday. It's uh, it's one you're not – it's must-hear radio. It's not must-see TV. It's must-hear radio. Uh, Monday, Lon Hersbrand on the show talking Tennessee football, talking Fulton football, talking Maryville College football, and talking football in general. If you're on your way to work or if you're on your way home, take care, be safe, and, yes, grind on. We'll see you tomorrow. See you Monday. Don't want to miss it.